Casinos, arenas which thrill the senses, where a roll of the dice or a deal of the cards carries with it the promise of an instant win or losing it all. For decades, these lavish halls of indulgence have been a playground for those chasing luck. And behind them, a fortress, safeguarding the colossal assets of their owners. Security is tight, really tight. Cameras pointing at every table, games being recorded and watched live. Eagle-eyed casino managers on the lookout for tricks and suspicious behavior. All staff access is tracked and logged with advanced digital locks on every door, from management offices to the vaults themselves. But dazzling lights can distract even the most vigilant. Hidden risks and unexpected weaknesses quietly linger in the most unexpected places. I'm Adrian Lester. Hold on tightly to your chips, because we are diving into a truly extraordinary story, where barriers are breached not through towering walls, but through a seemingly benign, tranquil fish tank. Welcome to True Cybercrime Stories by BT. It's 2017. A North American casino is alive with the shrill of high stakes and hum of eager anticipation from punters. The vibrant chatter, the rhythmic jingle of slot machines, and the occasional cheer of winners create an oral pastiche in the Grand Hall. In the midst of this scene, gently bubbling away, there's a beautiful new fish tank. Its tranquility in stark contrast to the lively gambling surrounding it. It's a piece of aesthetic decor, positioned to soothe and mesmerize those customers in pursuit of winning big. But let's dive a little deeper. This isn't just any fish tank. It's smart. This fish tank has advanced sensors to regulate the temperature, the salt content, and feeding schedule of its inhabitants. That info is monitored and, if needed, adjusted by staff with their phones, tablets, or company computers. They had a thermometer uh, that was connected to their network. That's Tim Erlin. I'm a cybersecurity strategist with a little over 20 years of experience. A networked thermometer is useful if you want to keep track of the condition of that fish tank remotely, if you don't want to have someone go and physically put a thermometer in it or look at a thermometer every day. So far, so practical. But if you know where to look, this seemingly unassuming fish tank monitor offers up a gap in the armor of one of the most reputedly secure industries going. An unseen virtual gateway into the casino's servers, accessible to those savvy enough to navigate it. The fish tank's monitoring system is an IoT device, which stands for the Internet of Things. We use this term Internet of Things, which is really just an umbrella term for any device that's connected to a network that isn't a typical computer. Our central heating, cameras, speakers, doorbells, lights, cars, watches, refrigerators, ovens, bikes, even pacemakers, the list is ever-growing, all of them collecting and sharing data. 
smart devices are really, a, you know, a subset of the Internet of Things, sort of the consumer-driven, maybe more of a marketing term for some of those devices. So, a, you know, a TV might be considered a smart device, a, a light bulb might be considered a smart device, but they're all part of the Internet of Things. You wouldn't generally think of your printer as a smart device, but it's still part of the Internet of Things overall. Coffee makers converse with our alarms to ensure a fresh brew the moment we wake up. Fitness trackers nudge us towards healthier lifestyle choices, embodying an unparalleled era where convenience is not just desired, it's expected. But with this increased interconnectivity in our lives comes potential vulnerabilities. So the way that attackers find these devices is simply by scanning the network. That could be scanning the entire internet, which happens, you know, from many, many different points of view on a daily basis. There are whole search engines that you can use to search the internet for these types of devices and other types of devices. Or if an attacker gets a, a foothold inside an organization, one of the first things they'll do is some kind of reconnaissance to find out what other kinds of devices they can see from whatever vantage point they have in that network. A case in point, internet-connected aquarium sensors, or, in the hands of hackers, an opportunity. It's impossible to know whether it was a target of opportunity or a, an organization they specifically targeted. Now, casinos have lots of money, which makes them an attractive target, and increasingly, casinos are moving money around electronically, which of course makes them an interesting target as well. But at the same time, it's fairly unlikely that they were specifically targeting a, a connected thermometer. That's the kind of device that you find accidentally as you're scanning, looking for other kinds of entry points. Now, there is no reported record of their identity or any public claim of responsibility by the hackers, but whoever they are, through clever manipulations, they pick this virtual lock. Despite the casino's servers being behind a firewall, a security measure on virtually every computer and device, through the fish tank's monitoring connection, they're able to navigate this barrier and extract highly sensitive and valuable data. A digital jackpot, far more lucrative than any slot machine payout. And that is how a simple fish tank becomes the surprising entry point for this significant data breach. Let's break it down. Behind its physical glamour, the casino has a digital ecosystem. This is where all the data for the whole casino is stored. And it's vast, teeming with constant information exchanges. Just visualize the multitude of numbers, varied transactions and digital interactions going on simultaneously, like a busy, buzzing motorway of information, all moving along expected predictable lines. Whilst unsuspecting punters gamble away in view of the fish tank, the hackers are traversing this digital corridor with a sense of insidious purpose. They siphon off 10 gigabytes of data, bypassing the blinking lights and electronic chimes of slot machines, unseen, undetected, unchallenged, taking what they want, personal information, financial transactions, bank details, and security logs. For reference, 10 gigabytes is about the size of 5 million emails, or 200 ebooks, or 10 hours of high-definition video, 
or downloading this podcast over 650 times. The casino's diligent employees, from the vigilant security team to the charming croupiers, remain blissfully unaware, anchored in their daily routines, while a digital fortune quietly dissipates from across the Grand Hall. The casino, this citadel of financial transactions, is being cyber-attacked. Now, details on what led the casino security team to become suspicious are scarce, or how long it took them to realize. What we do know is that an external private cybersecurity firm is on the case. Tracing these peculiar digital disruptions, they begin a journey back through the pathways of data, like sleuths navigating through a mysterious, shady forest of numbers and codes, they sweep the system seeking to unveil the source of this digital disturbance. The cybersecurity firm runs checks on all the casino's devices, anything which is receiving or sending data, and realize something isn't right. They detect a highly unusual flow of data from a fish tank to an external location. No other device in the casino is sending that amount of data outside, so why the fish tank? No other device in the company is communicating with it, so again, why the fish tank? It's an anomaly, and it indicates a much larger threat. The tank appears to be still communicating sporadically with company devices, as it should be, but the transfers to this external location pinpoint it as the source of the attack. Following the silent stream of data out of the casino, the team finds that it's being funneled over borders, across the Atlantic, and into a remote server hidden away in Finland. They now know they have a huge data breach. But what are the motives behind it? Purely financial? An act of corporate espionage? or a sophisticated maneuver to uncover the high rollers and power players frequenting the casino? Well, the real answer is, we don't know. The casino may know, but they've remained characteristically tight-lipped about this security infraction. And no group has ever been charged with this. What we do know is that this quick thinking on the part of the security firm detected the hackers and stopped them from pilfering any more data. But a simple fish tank was nearly their downfall. The external security team helped the casino implement better digital barriers, deploy countermeasures, shore up their now exposed vulnerabilities, and increase visibility to every user and device, including the infamous fish tank. And if you've ever watched Ocean's Eleven and its sequels, You'll know that high stakes and the promise of huge returns is a familiar theme when it comes to audacious thieves targeting casinos. And it seems it's not only in the movies. The fish tank story was not a one-off. In September 2023, casino firms MGM Resorts International and Caesars Entertainment, both with many casino hotels on the Las Vegas Strip, were attacked by a hacking group which threat researchers call Scattered Spider. 
the group claimed to have stolen six terabytes of data, with Caesars confirming this included customers' driver's license details and social security numbers, standard information required by U.S. casinos for tax purposes and to verify their customers. This attack prompted MGM to shut down many of its systems, with guests reporting issues with everything ranging from room keys to TVs, payment services to slot machines, causing havoc within the hotels and casinos. MGM estimate the losses caused by the attack to be around $100 million. Many journalists with sources close to the story state that Caesars reportedly paid the hackers $15 million to stop. But information about these attacks in the notoriously security-strict venues is again limited. I mean, the amount of cash I've just mentioned, along with all these gigabytes and terabytes of personal information, it's a lot to take in, isn't it? But as we come up for air on this story, a larger question bubbles to the surface. How many other seemingly innocent devices in other places act as little passageways for criminals to virtually sneak in through? The frequency of cybersecurity attacks is always a difficult thing to measure because you ultimately only know about the ones that you were able to catch. So we see an overrepresentation of two types of incidents when we look at what's been captured. The first are anything that has to do with ransomware. So if an Internet of Things device was used as an entry point, but the ultimate result was ransomware, ransomware is only successful if it announces itself. It has to ask for a ransom. The other are Internet of Things devices used in distributed denial of service attacks, because of course DDoS attacks also are designed to be noticed. It's unsuccessful if you execute a denial of service attack and you didn't actually turn off a service that someone was using, that would be considered an unsuccessful denial of service attack. So we see a lot of those uh, in the data because they have to announce themselves. If an Internet of Things device is used in an attack that's designed to be stealthy or designed for the attacker not to get caught, we're unlikely to, to see that in the data because they, they're successful some of the time. And so we spend a lot of time talking about the risks based on vulnerabilities that exist without actually understanding how frequently those risks are realized. One of the, the best-known examples of an Internet of Things attack is the so-called Mirai botnet. In 2016, the Mirai malware began to strike, transforming a massive array of IoT devices into a botnet, a network of devices infected by malware which are controlled remotely. It was one of the largest distributed denial-of-service attacks ever witnessed. One way an attack like this can happen involves overwhelming a target, such as a website or online service, with a flood of internet traffic from multiple sources in order to render it unavailable to users, thus causing disruption and potential financial and reputational damage to the organizations or companies being targeted. This botnet was chiefly comprised of various IoT devices, like cameras, digital recorders, and routers. The hackers behind this, who were caught, were gamers, 
claiming they originally created the malware to target rivals who were running lucrative private servers for the game Minecraft. Even more worryingly, a year later, the US Food and Drug Administration responsible for protecting public health confirmed that cardiac support devices made by one firm were vulnerable to potential hacking. These devices, including pacemakers and defibrillators, were found to be susceptible due to a lack of encryption for the radio frequency communication between the device and the home monitor. Although there were no reported instances of actual patient harm, the possibility of hackers tampering with the device's settings raised serious concerns about patient safety. The digital threads of connectivity even weave into our vehicles. With the case of one particular SUV brand serving as a stark reminder of the tangible, physical dangers of cyber attacks, with researchers mocking up an attack to manipulate everything from the vehicle's air conditioning to its transmission and brakes as part of the development process. And the intimate space of the family home isn't sacred either, with several instances of baby monitors being usurped by external entities, hackers talking and frightening children and their parents with threats and lewd comments, turning a tool of safety into a source of harassment the impact of these digital intrusions reverberate not only through our private lives, but through our public spaces, our institutions, and our societal structures, meaning increasingly vigilant security measures are needed to combat this threat. And what of the stolen data? The cascading ones and zeros? the private data of innocent people and businesses. It's a tool and a currency, wielded and weaponized to manipulate, exploit, and coerce. Auctioned to the highest bidder, black market data flows through the veins of the dark web, fueling illicit activities such as identity theft, fraud, and phishing attacks. Whilst agencies, cybersecurity teams, and individuals endeavor to curtail this malevolent tide, it's a silent war waged in the binary underbelly of our connected world. So first of all, whenever you're deploying an Internet of Things device, it's really important to make sure that you've changed whatever the default credentials are, or that that device is set up in a way that it doesn't have credentials that are common across other devices. That's really the first thing that consumers of IoT can do. The other thing that the consumers control is the network. So if we go back to the fish tank incident, the thermometer was part of the compromise, but one of the things to keep in mind that's really important is that that thermometer must have had access to some other part of the network where sensitive data or data that the attacker was interested in was located. So. That connection between the thermometer and the rest of the network is a key component in why that type of attack was successful. If the thermometer had been segregated from the network in a way that it didn't have access or didn't have a path to anything useful or any other data, then that compromise would have been much more difficult for the attacker to pull off. As we reflect on that fish tank and how it became a gateway for hackers, 
or reminded of the subtle and often overlooked vulnerabilities in our interconnected lives, and the crucial importance of safeguarding every entry point to protect our valuable data, our finances, our private messages, our memories, every aspect of our lives that technology touches. And as we navigate this digitally entwined existence, it's prudent to consider how we can all bolster our defenses against the unseen threats, however unassuming they look, lurking in the vast digital ocean in which we all swim. In our next episode of True Cybercrime Stories, I'll be looking at how notorious cybercriminal groups have targeted the education sector with attacks against schools, not just in the UK, but around the world. True Cybercrime Stories is brought to you by BT, because BT means business. It's presented by me, Adrian Lester, and featured Tim Erlin, this series is brought to you by Audi. The producers are Yolen Goffin, Phil Brown, and Ivor Manley. Scripting is by Shanti Midnight. The executive producers are Harry Watson and Sally Miller. True Cybercrime Stories reimagines real events based on primary sources and publicly available news reports. No responsibility or liability is assumed for any errors or omissions. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are their own.